0: Family. And family is an essential building block, foundational element to God's design for human society, isn't it? Ever since the beginning, God designed, created his first man, Adam, and he said that it was not good that man would be alone. And so, very quickly, God created a woman. And brought her to the man, and and told him to have kids, to multiply, and so they did, and they had the first family, and the family unit has been the foundation of society ever since, for over the last thousands and thousands of years. And sometimes, when we think about the Bible. We think about all the famous characters in the Bible, like maybe Abraham, and God called this guy named Abraham to go to this land that he was going to show him, and certainly God did do that, but we forget that God was calling Abraham and his family. Like this was a family thing, Abraham and his wife, and this is a story about his kids, And his family all doing this together. Or when God called Moses and said, hey, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses said, okay, we forget that Moses' family was with him. His brother and his sister helped lead the way. The family is an essential part, an essential building block to God's design for human society. Or when you think about the story of Joseph maybe and joseph had a crazy family story he had a bunch of brothers that didn't like him very much they beat him up and left him in a pit because they didn't want to kill him and then they told their dad your son is well he sold him to slavery it's not good imagine these are real people living in a real part of the world that have to tell their real father what they did to his son like that that these are real people. That's one of the things I appreciate about Sight and Sound, if you've been there down the road from us, is like you get to see this play out in real life. You get to see these 12 guys that are just talking and this dad, and like these are real people having real experiences just like you and just like me with our families. And, and families are great, but like Joseph's story illustrates, families can be really hard, right, and really difficult, and a lot of pain and hurt come through our families and so my goal today is to help us have a healthy view of our family uh, one that we can look to God and his word of, of how we're supposed to operate and how we're supposed to interact and how we get the best out of the family without going too far <laughs> into worship territory because you can easily turn a good thing like the family, an essential thing like the family, a foundational thing like the family, and turn that good thing into a God thing. And that's when it gets a little crazy and a a little hectic. And so today we're going to look at the story of Joseph's father, Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter. 31 that's where we're going to be today the first book of the Bible if you don't have a Bible The words are going to be on the screen And we've got free Bibles for you to take before you leave here today in the lobby just Grab one from one of our awesome greeters and in Genesis 31 we meet Jacob And his story and let me tell you Jacob's story you think Joseph's story is crazy His dad's story is even crazier and so if your family is a little crazy if things in your family didn't work out exactly the way that you thought they were going to, like you are right in line with what we read in our Bibles. Because Jacob, his name, you might know, God changed his name to Israel. And there's a country in our world today named after this man, this guy, Israel. This, this nation of Israel, is a, you could trace all their lineage back to this man, this guy named Jacob. And Jacob worked. Seven years to get his wife. He worked for a guy named Laban. So he's working hard, and he's looking forward to marrying this beautiful girl named Rachel. And so they have their wedding night, and everything's great, and they go to sleep. And Laban, the father-in-law, switches his daughters. He takes the beautiful girl and gives her Leah, whom the Bible said has weak eyes. Now, I don't know what that means, but if Rachel was beautiful and Leah has weak eyes, I don't know. But when Jacob wakes up in the morning after his wedding night, he's sleeping next to Leah, the woman with weak eyes. And he's like, I didn't work seven years to marry this one. But that's what happened. And so Jacob had to work another seven years to marry the girl that he really wanted to marry, the beautiful one, not the one that, uh, I don't know, right? And so all throughout Jacob's family history, these women are competing with having kids with Jacob. And not only are they like struggling and comparing and all this stuff, now you got two other women two other handmaids, concubines that are giving children to Jacob. So think about this. The nation of Israel, the the country of Israel, right, the nation, the people group of Israel, it traces its, its history, its lineage back to a family of 12 sons from four different women. And so if you think your family is a little you know disconnected or there's different parts and there's different things going on like you're you're right in line with how the bible talks about family and what happens and if you've got questions about you know multiple wives and you know how how the the culture of having you know children with servant girls and all that stuff works i'd love to talk to you more about that later that's a great question Um, it's a hard one from the old testament but it's it's certainly a thing and so like this is Jacob's story. This is Jacob's family. He's got all these kids. God has blessed him in great ways with resources, and, and so he's he's doing well, except <laughs> now we jump into G- Genesis chapter thirty one, verse one. Jacob soon learned that Laban, that's his father in law, Laban's sons were grumbling about him. And Jacob had robbed our father of everything they said. He has gained all his wealth at our father's expense. Now, how many of you know family is good, but the in-laws and the cousins, oh, man. Not my family. I love my in-laws. But but other in-laws, you know, they're the ones that aren't so involved in your situation you know, you're positive about it, you're feeling good about it, and then it's your in-laws that have such a negative view on it? Like, right, why? You know, those cousins that you see, the aunts and uncles that you see once in a blue moon, like, they tricky to deal with, and this is what Jacob has to deal with, these cousins and aunts and uncles, and so not only does Jacob have to deal with them, Jacob then notices a change in Laban's attitude toward him. So now his father-in-law is the one that's causing the problems himself. And again, family is great until it's not, right? And so often we feel so comfortable causing problems in our family because, well, they have to love us. They're a family. And if we did the same thing with our friends, we wouldn't have any friends, Or if we did the same thing at work, we probably wouldn't be there anymore. But if we do it with our family because we know they love us, they're going to be with us, it'll be fine. They're family, right? That's just the way humans operate. And and family, again, is great until it's not. And my family growing up, um, you know, it's great. And there's... Parts that are hard, and I just got back from vacation. We spent a couple days with my family, my my family, uh, my parents, and my brothers and sisters. Uh, my youngest brother just graduated from the University of Delaware, and so my parents were like, "Let's get a family together and let's do a big, you know, last hurrah kind of vacation," which we'll probably do again next year. You know how that goes, right? But we we got together and we had a good time. But trying to figure out where to go on vacation is like impossible, because all four of us siblings are in different stages of life. We all like different things, and so it's like, you know, banging heads against the wall, like this is supposed to be fun, we're supposed to be get together and everything go well, and it's family, right? It doesn't, it doesn't always go that way. And so all of this is going on, and then God speaks. God speaks to Jacob, return to the land of your father and grandfather and to your relatives there and I will be with you. Isn't it great when you get a clear word from God, do this. It's like, okay, I will do this. And so Jacob gets this clear word from God and what does he do next? He tells his wives. And men, if there's one thing that you hear me say today is talk to your wife. Ask her if it's okay for you to do stuff. <laughs> you know, is it all right if I go here? Is it okay if I do this? Like, clear communication is essential to a good marriage. That's, that's, that's just free advice today for our men, okay? Clear communication. Talk to your wife. Be on the same page. Like, don't just make a random decision and come home and tell your wife, And then she's like, well, well, you didn't even ask me about that, right? You've had that happen to you before. Don't do that. Don't do that. Jacob doesn't do it. He he has clear communication with his wives. And here's how they respond. Rachel and Leah responded, that's fine with us. We won't inherit any of our father's wealth anyway, right? They got a good reason to, to go. And so Jacob put his wives and children on camels, and he drove all his livestock in front of him. And he, he packed all the belongings he had acquired in Padan Aram and set out for the land of Canaan where his father Isaac lived. His father Isaac, there's family. Right? We're going to be talking about these things that we want to take and these things that we want to leave in our family. And you think about your family, the things that you want to take from your family, the good stuff and the, the not-so-good stuff that you've got to leave. And, and there's a lot of really good things here that Jacob is doing with his family. He's he's putting his his children together and his wives he's got it all together he's planning really really well he's got all his possessions and and they're about to leave to go back to Jacob's father's family area and this is like leaving leaving like this isn't like I'll fly over and see you on the weekend or once a month on the summertime like this is like I am moving. And there's no FaceTime, there's no phone calls, there's none of that, right? This is like, I am going, and this is, you know, this is a big step of faith for Jacob and his family. And he's also, and I, I think this is a great thing to, to take from this too, he's also financially prepared to make this huge move. Like, like God has blessed him with this, uh, you know, the, all this his stuff, his livestock, and he's ready where he can just pick up and go. What if God called you to go somewhere today? Could you do it? Like, are you financially able to just go? Or, you know, you're, you're tied down in all these different ways, right? So to be financially prepared to follow God is, is an incredible thing to be able to do. And again, remember, Jacob is doing this with a family, They're setting out on this journey together as a family. They're going back from where, you know, he met his wives with Laban and now he's leaving to go back to where his his father Isaac lived and they're they're doing this together as a family. Starting their own kind of family, right? And how many of you know, when you start your own family, you're not starting from scratch, right? Right? You got like two families that are coming together and forming something new, something, you know, and that's really hard to do. Right? You're bringing all the stuff from your parents and your siblings and your, she's bringing all the stuff from, you know, her siblings and their parents and, and they're coming together into this new thing and that's why you have two Christmases and two Easter's and two Thanksgivings and you're trying to do your own thing, but you've got all of these influences from all your past and, and your other family that's still coming together, and, and it's, it's difficult. There's always that drawback to, well, this is how I grew up, and, and why doesn't she do this? Well, she never saw her mom do that. And you've got expectations for her based on what you experienced growing up, but you've never communicated it to her. And she's got expectations for him. Like, why doesn't he ever clean up after himself? Come on, he's such a slob. He never saw that growing up. So you just expect him to act a certain way if he's never seen it before, right? You're, you're living in the influence of your past family, but you're starting something new. And that's hard, right? This is difficult. This is, this is starting new, but you've got different Competing things that are always kind of pulling you back. There's always this pull back from our family of origin where we grew up And so all of that kind of builds up to the main point of this message today In the next verse that we're going to look at chapter uh, 31 verse 19 when they left Laban was some distance away. He was shearing his sheep and Rachel stole her father's household idols and took them with her. And everybody said, oh no, okay. Oh no. Oh no. Now we don't know exactly what these household idols were. They're a thing, like they're a teraphim. That's that's what it is. I don't know, I don't know what that is in the Hebrew, but that's what it is. They're the things. And we know from the story that they were relatively small things. But They're all ready to go. They've got this new thing set out, and this woman, Rachel, the beautiful wife of Jacob, takes her father's household idols. Now, maybe they had some value. Maybe they had worth. Maybe they had something to do with the inheritance. Maybe it just gave her a sense of comfort. You know, there's something about leaving somewhere, going somewhere completely new that's a little scary, and so if you Take something with you that you know, that you're comfortable with. You know, you take it in to the new situation. And that's what was happening. But they must have been so valuable to her because they're traveling on camels. It's not like they got suitcases and, you know, putting it in the airplane like I flew in this week. You know, every little thing, matters every weight that the animal is bearing matters and she out of all the things she grabs grabs these household idols and so look what happens we got some scripture to read it's super interesting then we'll make it all make sense in a second three days later laban was told that jacob had fled and so he gathered a group of his relatives and sent it out in hot pursuit, he caught up with Jacob seven days later in the hill country of Gilead. But the previous night, God had appeared to Laban, the Armenian in a dream and told him i 'm warning you, leave Jacob alone and it isn 't it crazy how fast family can flip on you right there 's like one thing, one day is going all right, the next day that 's completely different it 's like good and bad you know i 'm coming after you i 'm coming after you it's everything 's fine, but i 'm coming after you." crazy family's crazy and so Laban caught up with Jacob as he was camped in the hill country of Gilead and he set up his camp not far from Jacob's what do you mean by deceiving me like this Laban demanded how dare you drag my daughters away like prisoners of war why did you slip away secretly why did you deceive me why didn't you say you wanted to leave I would have given you a farewell feast with singing and music accompanied by tambourines and harps? Why didn't you let me kiss my daughters and grandchildren and tell them goodbye? You have acted very foolishly. I could destroy you. But the God of your father appeared to me last night and warned me, leave Jacob alone. I can understand why you're feeling that you must go and your intense longing for your father's home. But why have you stolen my house? gods. Man, family is confusing, isn't it? And here's this guy, this dad that's going to miss his kids. He's going to miss his grandchildren. He's going to miss all of this stuff. And he's asking all these questions. He's trying to figure that all out. And in this moment, he's worried about his gods. Uh, yeah, I want, I want my daughters. I want my stuff, but like those gods. Oh man, I need, I need those gods. And so Jacob, like, responds to all of that, and you know, half of it's probably not even true. And so Jacob says, But as for your gods, see if you can find them and let the person who has taken them die. Jacob doesn't know. And if you find anything else that belongs to you, identify it before all these relatives of ours and I will give it back but Jacob didn't know that Rachel had stolen the household idols he didn't know that his wife he was trying to be you know transparent he was trying to be up front with everything he wasn't trying to steal anything or take anything he was trying to just you know whatever you find take it and so Laban Starts looking for his idols. Everybody say oh, man. uh Oh (laughs) So Rachel had taken the household idol and hidden them in her camel's saddle and Now she was sitting on them and when Laban had thoroughly searched her tent without finding them She said to her father. Please sir. Forgive me. I don't get up for you. I'm having my monthly period sounds like a great excuse And so Laban continued his search, but he could not find the household idols. Man, she really wanted these things, right? And so, spoiler alert, you could read the rest of the story on your own, but she wasn't found out, okay? Laban didn't kill her, you know, She, she wasn't found out. And Laban and Jacob made a covenant together to not fight each other. And Jacob went on his merry way. And everything was all right. But she took the household idols and she never gave them back. That was her thing that she brought along with her on this journey. And you might not bring these little household trinket ornaments, whatever, with you along. You might not sit on them and create excuses of why you just are that way. But let me tell you, if you're anything like me, You've got your own household idols that you bring along into your life. We all do. We bring them up from our family of origin, our, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, and we bring them into who we are today, and we let them control our life. We, we find comfort in them, just like Rachel did when she took her idols with her. And so maybe for you, that's the, the family idol, the household idol of the family just holding you back, holding you back from following God, holding you back from being all that God wants you to be. Like there's that voice in your head of your father or your brother or your sisters that just says, you're never good enough. You're never going to make it. You're never going to do good enough. And that's just constantly running through your mind, constantly running through your heart. That's the household idol that you're bringing into your life today that doesn't need to be there, but it's you kind of like it. It kind of gives you comfort. That's what you're familiar with, so it's okay. It's a household idol. Or, or maybe for some of us it's the opposite of that, that your family is so good, and you grew up in a great situation. Your parents give you, you know, everything you needed and everything you wanted, and now you feel like you need to pass that on to your kids and your family. And so you're investing a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of energy into making your family the best it could possibly be. And so that takes all your energy and time. And again, this is a good thing. The family is a good thing. It's a foundational thing. and It's an essential thing. But if we let a good thing become a God thing, that's when we run into these issues and we're worshiping something other than the Lord. Maybe for family, idol. It's a not allowing others into your family kind of thing. Like, like when I get together, it's dinner with my family on Friday nights. It's it's dinner with, with grandma on Sunday afternoons. It's it's this is what we do. This is a family thing. And so when God leads us to connect with somebody who is an outsider, you know, maybe they don't have as many connections or family connections as you do. And you don't make room for them because, well, this is a family time and this is a family thing and we do this as a family. Maybe that's a, a household idol you're, you're bringing in or, or maybe it's the kids and you've prioritized the kids' activities over everything else in your life. Because we want to give them a great experience. You had it all. You had all the opportunity, and so you want to pass it on to them, and you're going here, and you're going there, and you got them involved in that, and you're like the chauffeur running them around to everything all over the place because you just got to give the kids everything they want and all the opportunities that they need. Or maybe maybe it's a family, like ancestral, cultural kind of thing where you look up to your your ancestors of the past and say, man, they're amazing people and you almost have a reverence of honor and, and a worship of them and you kind of bring them in and that's a part of your cultural heritage. And again, some of these, a lot of these are good things. The family is a good thing but when we turn a good thing into a God thing, that's when stuff starts to get a little tricky. And so Jesus helps us navigate that. Of what we take with us and what we uh, leave from our family. What the good things are, what the bad things are. Jesus helps us navigate that. And he tells us that there's some things about our family that are really important. But your family is just not the ultimate thing. Like it's a great thing, it just can't be the ultimate thing. And so Jesus gives us so much teaching about this. Just want to give you two, two insights here from Jesus. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50, Jesus was speaking to the crowd, and his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, and they want to speak to you. And so Jesus asked, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? I oh, just like what a slap in the face! Like, what if today. Your son on Father's Day looked at you and like, I don't think you're my dad. Like, what? Right? That's Jesus said that. And he pointed to other people that weren't even related to him by blood. And he said, Look, there's my mom. And there's my brother. He says, Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so maybe today father's day is a little hard for you because maybe you didn't have the greatest father growing up or maybe your father's situation your family situation is just a little tricky it's a little difficult and let me tell you that you've got the perfect father in heaven that he invites you to call daddy and maybe you never had that, you never felt that, you didn't, you know, grow up with that, but God is your father. He wants to be your father that you can relate to in such an intimate personal way, like a little child sitting on his lap saying, Daddy, 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 that's that's God can be God for you. And so our earthly families can be a little confusing and difficult at times. But Jesus is introducing us to a spiritual family, a family that's more than just flesh and blood. It's, it's something deeper going on here. And if you look around you today in this room, and you're wondering, I don't know if, if I have a father figure. I don't know who my brothers and sisters are. Like, look around. You've got them right here. You've got men and women that want to pour into your life to care for you, to love you, to, to guide you, to teach you. Like you've got some incredible men, some incredible fathers here in this room that could be your father, your, your spiritual father. That's an amazing thing. But not only then is there's this family Thing like like you've got your family of origin, but it doesn't have to define your entire life Like you can be a part of the family of God Jesus tells us this or John tells us this in John chapter 1, but all who believed him and accepted him He gave the right to become children of God They're reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God Like you don't get to choose your birth family, right? Like your parents, you don't get to choose them. But you do get to choose to be a part of a spiritual family, to be a part of God's family. And when you do that, you enter into a family with all of us, brothers and sisters. And God gives us ways to interact with each other, to love one another and forgive one another and care for one another and share each other's burdens. There's all these, there's like 50 plus one another commands that God gives his spiritual family to live. This is how we do, this is how we do life. This is the culture that we have. This is how it works. And so maybe, again, our earthly families are are a little all over the place but this spiritual family that God wants to give us he invites us to follow those set of rules to live that certain way and so the question that I think we can take with us this morning is simply this how much from our family of origin will we take with us into our spiritual family right how much are we going to let our earthly family and our experience influence the way that we live today and our spiritual family. <clears throat> Will we take it? Will we leave it? You know, someone's got to set the example. Somebody's got to do the teaching. Somebody's got to have the upper hand. Is it going to be your family of origin or is it going to be your spiritual family? Let's get practical uh, in, in just a second. Um, so just like Rachel had to take it or leave it, Right, we saw throughout this story that we looked at in Genesis, like there were certain things that happened in Jacob's family that were just not good. Right, there's a negative attitude on loving. They took the family idols. They're fighting each other. They're threatening each other. They're deceiving each other. Like let's let's leave that stuff away. Let's leave that stuff in the past. But let's take some good stuff with us. Let's take some clear communication, some good planning, some being financially prepared, uh, standing up for each other. Those are good things. And so take it or leave it, family of origin or spiritual family. When somebody loves you, hurts you, do you respond the way your dad did? Are you going to get angry, get upset with them? You know, or are you going to be frustrated at them? And you're like, that's, that's just how I am. That's just how I grew up. That's just my family. Like, That's just what happens. That's, that's just me. Are you going to allow that to control you? Or are you going to let your spiritual family define what it means to be a part of the family of God? To love one another, to care for one another, to forgive one another, to show grace and mercy. Who's going to win? Are you going to take that household idol, that family idol with you into the new family that you're creating? Or are you going to take the spiritual family, the one that God is creating with you? Or how about when someone, when you have the opportunity to get together with someone who's disconnected? Right? Are you going to take that, this is the family meal that has always been the family meal? Or are you going to allow the spiritual family to influence that and say, maybe there's room at the table for one more. Maybe there's room at the table for somebody that doesn't have the family like we do, that they're welcome in, that they can have a seat here too. And include them in the family activities. Or maybe, how about when you have big plans for the weekend? You know, you want to give their family the best opportunities, the greatest experiences. And you want to, you got it, so you want to pass it on, right? The kids are involved in a million different things, in the sports, and the activities, And you want to, you know, you've got big plans. You're traveling. You're doing all this stuff, and you gotta, you gotta not be here on Sundays. You gotta miss church on Sundays. You gotta, and are you gonna allow the the family of origin to influence that? Because that was no problem growing up. No, it doesn't matter. You know, I get to church whenever I get to church. I get to worship God whenever I do it. It's fine. You know, it's it's whatever whatever works. Or do we allow? God and the spiritual family to influence the most is saying, no, like my relationship with God is all the time. Like it's no matter where we are, it's no matter what we're doing. Like I am making my relationship with God a priority. And it's not like a second class thing. Like it's not like, oh, we'll go to church and and we'll be involved in community with other believers. Like when we're here, (laughs) Or, or like when we're available and like if we're not on vacation or if we're, you know, not doing a thousand other things. And then like maybe I'll, I'll think about church. Like church is, is more than just something you attend on a Sunday morning. It's a community that you're a part of. It's a mission that you work together to disciple others, to be discipled and to reach the world that's not going to end up in a good place without you sharing the gospel, sharing the love of Jesus with them. And so is it a secondary thing or is it a a primary thing? Or how about when your parents are well-known and taken care of and you think you should be too? You know, you can walk into that place and everyone knows them. You're like, I'll get whatever I want. And so you think you can walk in there too and you can get away with anything because, well, the police chief knows you and, you know, it'll be fine. Everything will work out in the end. Or are you going to take responsibility for the things God has entrusted to you. And you can't just ride on your parents or your family's coattails your whole life, but God's got something unique for you and special for you to do. Or how about when the 100th person asks you why you aren't married yet or don't have kids yet? Are you gonna let the family of origin be like control the way that you think, man, I'm not good enough. I'm not not gonna be... uh, value but nobody likes me I can't you know are you gonna allow those things to control the way that you act and think or are you gonna let God speak into the situation because God says some incredible things about being single and not having kids and so often the church is like well that's just for married people and kids it's not like single people are so valuable to God in many ways and Paul tells us even more valuable than someone who's married and have kids, so don't ever think that the church is, is just for married people and kids like don't ever think that or How about this last one? When family gets complicated and it isn't the way it should be Maybe maybe that household idol that that family of origin might tell you well Just just accept it for the way that it is and maybe you change your theology you change your beliefs Based on the behavior of your kids, or based on you know the choices that were the things that happened in your family, and you change what you believe what Scripture says based on the experiences your family has, it's easy to do. Or do you let God shine a light into that broken situation, and you recognize your family? You know, it isn't perfect, but God is at work here. And God wants to redeem this, and God wants to use this, and God wants to to transform the people involved in this family. I don't need to change and just believe whatever, but I can allow God to work in this situation. It's the question, will you take it or leave it? Will you take those household idols, those experiences, those things that you grew up with, will you take that into your new family, the new thing God is doing, or are you going to let God influence it? and lead you in that way and so we've been ending uh, every message in this series that i've been preaching here with a very practical application like there's something you can do today as a result of our message and so my it's simple but it's really hard so here you go call or text what i mean is like some extra form of communication that isn't when you just see them face to face every member of your family Including your extended family Call or text them some like effort like you've put effort into this communication and just reach out to them and This I know can be really hard like there might be people in your family that if you were to call them they might like fall off their chair because I've never heard from him in a long time or I've never talked to him in a long time or I, the last time I talked to them I couldn't believe what he'd said to me right but your family is your family and they're valuable to you they're valuable to God and so so it's a challenge And Some extra form of intentional communication Now you got to draw the line somewhere If you got a million cousins and aunts and uncles And whatever right (laughs) you know draw the line somewhere But I just encourage you Reach out to them Maybe it's your dad you haven't talked to him In a long time just pick up the phone and say hey dad Happy Father's Day That's it But it could be enough Maybe it's a text that just says hey I hope you're doing well Talk to you soon that's it. God can use these things in incredible ways. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the family. Thank you that we have a support system that you created that we can rely on each other, that we can work together, that we can help each other, that we can pray for each other and encourage each other. Lord, I pray today uh, for those of us who feel Uh, challenged by this this application today Uh, Lord I just pray that you would be in these conversations that you would one give us the courage to send the message or to make the phone call but number two just be there as we talk be there as we say hi we as we share in very nervous and uncomfortable ways God may your spirit be the one to speak for us and may we just believe That you're at work because ultimately God as important as family is you are creating and have created something even more ultimate than that that we can be a part of a spiritual family that we can be sons and daughters of you God the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we have an inheritance in heaven that we cannot lose and God I just pray that if if someone's here today that doesn't know for sure that they would be with you and your family forever. God, I pray that they would trust in you today, that they would receive you as Lord and Savior, and that they would know that they can be reborn into the family of God. So, Lord, I pray that you would use us and work in our hearts in that way and be with our families, our earthly families. Help us to love each other and to care for one another. And where the pain and the hurt comes from, God, I pray that you would Be working in the middle of all of that as only you can. And so we ask that you would do this now in Jesus' name.